Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. All right. We'll start with a half board this way so you can kind of see the scripture. Wow, this is good. How many of y'all were here last week? You weren't here, but we're in the cafeteria. How many of y'all were there in the cafeteria? Okay. What a family time, huh? That was just, just such a cool time. And we began talking a little bit about what does it mean to be saved? Just, just a really foundational teaching. And so we kind of talked about what, what does that look like to be saved? We looked at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast. And we opened a gift. We unwrapped a gift. Cason got a gift. It was great. He got a big picture of Jesus. And because uh, Jesus is, the, how many of you know Jesus is the gift? And he's a free gift. And so that was kind of what we talked about last week. But today, that's, that's kind of the what. But I want to talk about the why behind, the motivation behind what it means to be saved. And, uh, you know, I think if you're like me, uh, well, all of, I'll just say it this way. All of us have been handed a lens, okay? A lens that we see through that determines how we perceive God, how we perceive or how we read the Bible, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others. Would you agree with that? Some of you, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. We see things in a certain way, okay? If you go to Kenya, you might see things differently in Kenya than you do here in the United States. You can move around the United States and find that people see things very differently than you do. So what I'm going to be sharing this morning might be might ruffle a little bit of your feathers here, but I want you to, to listen closely, and I want you to weigh it. I have a Berean spirit about it, and take it before the Lord, because I want to show you some things here, some comparisons and contrast with uh, some things that maybe are a little bit different than what you've learned or heard before. So um, let's just dive right in. If you would put the scripture up for us, it would be in Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and then 12 and 13, and, and these are familiar scriptures that I, I'm sure you've heard. Let's, let's read this together. Wait, that's not right. It should be Romans 10, 9, well, let me just open it up in my Bible then. It should be Romans 10, 9, uh, and 12 through 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 10. Romans 10, starting with verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 12, For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. Everybody say all and richly blesses all, everybody say all, all who call upon him, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you have heard this passage before? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Well, I want us to look at that a little bit this morning, and, and it looks pretty straightforward. But can I tell you, it, the lens that we look through can either bring clarity or bring distortion to truth. And so let, let's just begin with prayer, if you'll join me here in prayer. Father, I just ask your blessing over each person this morning in this auditorium. And Lord, I pray that 
your love and your spirit would just envelop each person here, each soul, each individual, Lord, just infuse this word with authority. Beyond that of any mere human being, Lord, I ask that we would see the beauty, we'd see the majesty, we'd see the power of the good news. Lord, I ask that you'd free us of any misconceptions that we might have that has cheapened or watered down the gospel. Lord, I ask you that you would open our eyes to the beauty of salvation, Lord. And God, may your grace free us from whatever holds us back, any stronghold that would hold us back from receiving the fullness of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Let's see if I can get this to work here. <laughs> Mostly works. Okay. Well, when I was in college, I loved to share the gospel. And this was the gospel presentation I would give. It was, it was something like this. God really loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Pretty good news, right? It's on a good place. How many believe that God loves you, and he's for you, and he has a plan for your life? But then I'd kind of shift into a deal and say, but there's a problem. And the problem is that your sin has separated you from God. And I'd spend a long time talking about how sinful you were, and I'd name sins and make you get you good and guilty, you know. But I say, but here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for your sins. And he took all of the punishment. He took the wrath that was deservedly yours. He took it upon himself that if you'll, point four, pray this sinner's prayer and say yes to Jesus, I accept you as my Savior then you can go to heaven, and then it was kind of inferred, and not go to hell, okay? Now, question, how many of you have ever heard or received uh, or been given a presentation similar to that? Can I see your hands? Look at there, probably the majority. Now, you don't have to raise your hand here, but how many of you have actually given this presentation? Okay, a lot of hands just went up. Okay, I see that hand, Alan, okay? So, we're going to repent today. It's going to be a good Sunday. Repentance is a good word. It just means coming into alignment with God and His ways and understanding what He has for us. So the gospel in our Western culture comes from a very legal framework. We, we live in a, a guilt-innocence culture, right? Uh, some, some of you may be this very week. We're driving down the road and you saw... Uh, lights flashing in your rearview mirror and a guy got out who had authority and he may have issued you a citation indicating your guilt. Again, don't raise your hands if that's you. But we all, we all know what that feels like. We, we understand that. Now, here's kind of the frame that I grew up with and it was a very legal-mindedness because we live in a litigious culture. Would you agree with that? And that means we like to sue people. We like to have our rights defended. And so it's pretty understandable that uh, the, our mindset of who God is is usually that of a judge. Okay? And so the idea is that God is a holy God. He can't look upon sin. That uh, he must punish sin. So by the very fact that it's a legal contract and God is a judge, the focus begins with what? Sin. So, so God is seen as, as the judge. Man is seen as what? The guilty defendant. 
or we'll just call him the sinner. Okay? Now, most of the scripture that I grew up learning were verses like this. For all have sinned and... Oh, there you go. You learn them too. There, there is none righteous. No. There you go. The wages of sin is... So it's interesting that we never learn the back halves of any of those <laughs> verses because they're really, really, really good news, you know. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we, we didn't learn those. So here's the idea that, that, that God is a judge, he's holy, he's just, and, and punishment needs to be meted out because he cannot look upon sin, okay? Now, Jesus is seen basically as our defense lawyer, Right? And so I kind of, I grew up that, uh, well, maybe I'd put a W in there. I grew up learning that Jesus took my place and uh, that Jesus took on all of the wrath of God, the anger of God, the punishment of God, the judgment of God that was rightfully mine, okay? And so you know what that sets up, don't you? It kind of sets up a good cop, bad cop right? Now, the end game of this way of thinking, and again, it's all in the way you interpret it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're seeing that through a legal lens, you'll read it very, very differently than if you read it from this other lens we're going to introduce today. So the end game of this is basically this. Acquittal. You know what acquittal is? It means whenever you uh, have an offense against you and you receive a pardon or freedom. Okay? And so the, the whole idea of uh, an acquittal that the accused is free of the charge of the offense, they basically get a get-out-of-hell-free card. Okay? So that's not a bad thing, but it's just not quite the whole thing, Right? Then the idea is the end game is what? It's heaven. But when is heaven? It's when you die. It's way out there in the future somewhere. Okay. Some of you are going, Steve, I, this is the only gospel I have ever heard in my life. Okay? So the let's let's talk about this a little bit here. Okay, so if that's the end game, when you die, then you essentially get to heaven, or you get to heaven, but essentially you're unchanged, okay? So your life here on earth is not all that much different. Something was done for you, but something, but that something that was done for you was not done in you. Hello? Okay? And so the good news is fixing to get a whole lot better for some of us, Okay? Can I say right now, God doesn't like sin. He really doesn't. You know why he doesn't like sin? Because it, not, I mean, it doesn't even separate us from him. I'll tell you why he doesn't like sin. is because sin keeps us from being who he created us to be. His sons and his daughters, his image bearers, the, the Abba relationship that Joel spoke of today. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So, so the end game here is... Is, is heaven, and so in a purely legal contract lens, 
It's, it's all about what do I need to do to get to heaven? And so here's the problem now. In the West, this works, this plays well, but most Christians in the West struggle with the same issues. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough now to have heard the same thing over and over and over in the debates. I love it. What you guys are discussing in college, we discussed in college 35 years ago. And so the main issue that Western Christians struggle with, the debate about constantly is eternal security. Am I secure? Is this acquittal irrevocable? What does that mean? Once saved, always saved. Or is this acquittal revocable? That means, can I somehow fall out of my acquittal that God purchased for me by pouring out his wrath on Jesus? Okay? That's the idea. Can I tell you, that's missing the whole, the whole point to even have those conversations. I can save you a lot of time if you'll listen, because we're going to look at what the main point really is. And so, you know, the, the deal is basically this. If, if I can lose my acquittal, if it can be revoked, then that, what are the questions? What, what, what are those sins that will cause my acquittal to be revoked? You know? Huh? Say it again. If you deny your Lord. But we're not going to go theologically on this thing. I'm going to just say it this way. There's a problem in the question. I was in youth ministry for a bunch of years. And you know what? The same questions are being asked to our youth leaders today. Pastor Steve, how, how, just how far is too far? Right? How, how, first base, second base. You know, I mean, how, how, far, how far is too far? Can I, can, is, what's wrong with that thinking? It's, it's a legal thinking. It's a rights thing. It's a, what can I get by with? You know what happens with the law? We look for loopholes, right? What can I get by with and still be in, right? It becomes about who's in and who's out. It becomes about right and wrong, good and bad, can I tell you, that's never been the issue. The issue has always been about, listen, it's always been about life or death. Just go back to the garden. There are two trees. One was a tree of knowledge. One was a tree of life. And we begin to think things through. What, what, is this okay? Is this not? Can I tell you what? That's beside the point. God doesn't want us to see how close to the edge of the, the cliff we can get. He wants to see us to get as close to Him as we possibly can. You know what I mean? He wants, he, he wants to change our whole vocabulary, our whole line of reasoning, our whole questions. He wants to change all of that. So anyway, there's a whole lot. I'm going to keep going here. Uh, I'm always amazed, though, that when I meet somebody on the other side who says, you know, I, I think this thing's irrevocable. Jesus did it, I said yes, said that sinner's prayer, I, I agreed, I prayed the prayer, signed on the dotted line, and, and I'm in. But here's the problem. I used to meet people all the time, particularly when I was in college, that I'd meet a guy, and, and you know, I did a lot of college, evan or a lot of dorm evangelism, and I would go in, and you know, it was, <laughs> the rooms were interesting, there's, you know, it was hard to keep focus because of all of the stuff on the walls that was not real edifying. And, and, and I remember this one guy, he said, you know, he was telling me, you know, I didn't give it away while I was there, you know, he said, and I, he said, 
he was telling me about how he was partying. He, sa- he said, man, I, I, know, I know where you can, get, you can get the absolutely best drugs. You know, and he's telling me about all of his exploits and all this stuff. And he said, so, so what, why are you here? I said, well, I'm, I'm telling people about Jesus. <laughs> he looked at me, he goes, hey, well, brother, and he puts, his, he puts his arm around me, he goes, well, brother, I'm a Christian too. You know what I'm thinking? You know, there, there's somewhere in there about Matthew 7 or something that says that you will know them by their fruit, you know, and I'm thinking, how does, how, does all, how does all that work? You know, and there's another verse in 2 Peter chapter 2 that says, If you return to your former ways of life, you're like a dog who returns to vomit, or a hog that's washed, uh, that is washed, who returns back to wallowing in the mud. They are worse off in the end than in the beginning. Now, if you obsess with legal contract, that's what you'll focus on. Is this guy in? Is this guy? Can I, can I tell you, it's, it don't matter to us because you're not the judge anyway. You know what I mean? You, that guy's not going to stand before me and I get to say, well, I think he's out. I think he's in. I, you know. I, I, I did like what he said, though. He said, he said, well, here's the deal. He said, when I was a kid, I went with my grandma to church and I remember going down the aisle and I said this prayer and, I, and you know, I was four, but I meant it and, and I accept Jesus as my Savior, but I just hadn't accepted him as my Lord. Hello? Have you heard these things? All right, again, missing the point. It's not even the point. And so I'm going to point you to the point here shortly. I was reading a survey said 80% of Americans say they believe in Jesus. 80%. But you ask them the difference that this belief in Jesus has made? Zero. None. Nothing. See, because, I mean, if you have... A, this kind of relationship where, where you've received something transactionally from God, but he's not living inside of you, it's, it's a whole different ballgame here. So let's, I want to talk to you just real, real quick about the primary problem of this legal contract. It, it's, the primary problem is that it's just not consistent with the revelation of God that is revealed or found in Jesus. Hebrews 1, we quote this probably every, I do, any every week. And it's this, that, that Jesus, it, how many of you know it's really all about Jesus? If you're not sure which way to go, go to Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact representation of the being of God. If you, if you want to know what God is like, you need to go to Jesus. And you need to hear what Jesus has to say about what God is like. And so... Well, I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Well, let's keep on going here. If you ask Jesus, what is God like? You know what he's going to say? He's going to say he's a loving father. I mean, just go, just go to Luke 15 and read the story of the loving father. Just incredible story. In the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to God as his father 100 times. In all the Gospels, 165 times. If Jesus is exact representation of God, he represent him, he's going to re- represent him as a loving father. And that's what, as we were talking about this morning, that really is the issue. Are we adopted into the family? Are we a part of this deal? So how, does, how would Jesus describe man? Well, there's a lot of metaphors, but one that he uses often is 
a wayward bride. You know, if you start reading through the Old Testament, and you'll see the numbers of times, you know, Hosea, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all of these guys are talking about Yahweh is a God in search of a bride. How many of you read the story of Hosea lately? God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute named Gomer. I don't know which is worse, that she was a prostitute or that her name was Gomer, you know? And so, and so Gomer marries him, and then she goes back to, or I don't know if she ever really left, her ways of prostitution, her idols, all of the guys. And, and Hosea had to go to all of the, I'll be careful, we've got kiddos in here probably, but it goes to all of the people that she might have been associated with in, in, in order to woo her back, to draw her back. Now, that's a, that's a pretty incredible story in it of a loving father that, that is given here. But a wayward bride. So Jesus would just say, guess what? I see you guys as lost. I used to think, what a terrible word, lost. How many of you have ever been lost before? You know the good thing about being lost? You can get found, you know? And, and, and Jesus said, you've lost, you've lost your way. You've lost the script. You've lost the plot. You, you need to be found. And Jesus said, I am the way, right? I'm the light in the midst of the darkness. I'm the truth. If you want to know truth that will fix your distorted lens of who you think God the Father is, I'm the one, and I'm life. I've come that you might have life, and life to the max, more than you can imagine. Jesus isn't withholding anything. He said, I've come to represent what my Father is really, really, really like. So Jesus, what would the word be for Jesus here? I'm going to tell you, Jesus came as a bridegroom in search of a bride. There's a lot of metaphors we could use to describe Jesus. But I want to tell you what, he is looking for people to pour his love into who will reciprocate and pour their love back into him. He is after people who want to know who God created them to be and how special they really, 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 really are. See, can I tell you what? I don't have to spend just a whole bunch of time over here. How many, we'll just take a quick vote. How many of you know that you're a sinner and you've blown it? Okay, for the rest of you, I'm going to have to have class for you and get you good and lost. <laughs> Most of us know, right? It doesn't take a great prophet to tell you some of the chief sins in your life. You know what it takes a great prophet to do? To call out your destiny and your purpose and who God sees you as. Hello? And so that's what Jesus came to do. He came to set people free. He's the truth that will make you free. Now, what's, what's the end game for Jesus here? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Look, look with me in, in John chapter 17. John 17, look at verse 20 through 23. says, this is Jesus' prayer. For all believers. He's already prayed a prayer for his disciples. Now he's turning it to all future believers. That's us. And he says this. This is my prayer. 
It's not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me their message. He's talking about his disciples. Guess what? Generations down the road, that's us now. And he says, that all of them may be one. Can I, I want to just write it up here real quick. Jesus' end game is not acquittal. Get this, guys. It's oneness. If you don't get anything out of today, this would be worth taking home with you. It's about oneness. He says, he goes on, he says, I pray that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Do you see the difference between having uh, uh, an acquittal and a purchase price for something that's given to you and now you get to go free versus a oneness relationship where God comes to live in you and through you? Hello? In the same way that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live, live in union and oneness and community, he's saying, that's exactly what I want my church to look like. I want you to represent me everywhere you go. And he goes on, he says, this is how the whole world is going to know that, that I am who I am. He says, uh, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. How many? Look, look around. Say, so you got the glory. You got the glory. I've given you the glory that you gave me that they may be one. There it is. As we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I've loved you. See, it really is about oneness. It's not about acquittal. It's about a relationship. This is about covering your backside and your rights, getting your rights. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's all about oneness. Now, eternal life on this side with a legal mindedness says that one day in the sweet by and by I get to go to heaven. But Jesus says, well, Look over at, at John 17, 3. He says, I have a little different definition of what eternal life is. Listen, listen to this. He says, now this is eternal life. Jesus, red letter. That you may, that they know you, Father, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What's he saying? He's saying, look, the goal is not to get to heaven, it's to get heaven to you. It's to bring heaven to earth where relationship with the Father and the Son are, are, are everything. So it's, it's really eternal life is heaven in us. Thank you, Archie. It's heaven in us. We get to be the glory of God. So what does that look like lived out? Over here, it looks like a kind of a, a one-time um, saved if you pray this prayer kind of deal over here it looks it looks a little bit different than that it looks like just flip over one page there to John 15 he says it this way in John 15 verses 4 through 5 he says this is what we're after he says remain in me as I remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself okay it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Because I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And he goes on, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in me, you can ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. 
You know why? Because my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, thus proving, just showing that you're His disciple. And so what is he saying? He's saying it's really all about oneness, and it's all about heaven in us right now. Now, I want to show you something that's a little bit different. If we could do those, um, those three quick passages there. In, uh, the first one is in um, Ephesians 2. Let me see if I can figure out how to work this outfit. I want you to see something here that's a little different. Instead of a one-time contractual transaction with God that, that you'll see on this side in the legal contract, it's kind, of, it's kind of like buying a car on the legal side, right? You, you go and you talk to the salesman, and you get the deal. It's in, it's in your name. You got the paperwork, and it's a done deal. You either own it or you don't own it, right? And so you don't go back and hang out with the salesperson trying to develop a relationship, right? You just got your deal, you got your transaction, you got your acquittal, and you're happy. Well, it's not that way at all in the living out on this side in a loving covenant. I want you to catch this. In Ephesians 2, it says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions, for it is by grace you have been saved. How many of you go, hallelujah? The finished work of Jesus, I'm saved, right? Well, but look at the next verse here. Come on, come on to the next verse in uh, first, uh, Colossians. No, wait, what is that? Is that 1 Corinthians? There you go. Listen, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. Well, which is it? Were you once saved in the past, or are you being saved in the present? Yes. Yes. All right, let's do one more. Look at, look at um, Romans 5.10. This is all Paul. <laughs> Either Paul's really confused, or he's going somewhere with this thing. Look at this. He says, For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him to restore to friendship with him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Well, that sounds like future tense, doesn't it? What's going on here? Yes. Let me ask you something. How many, how many of you are married? Can I see your hand? Does this make sense to you? Jay, there'll be a day when you're going to say, I do. Okay. And when you do say that, there better be a change. Because it's not just Jay making decisions for himself, right? It's not I and me, it's us and we, right? That's a change. It's a good change. Some of y'all went, ooh. No, it's a good. You're getting a good deal, buddy. You're getting a real good deal, okay? Okay? But guess what? There was a time, you know, for Lisa and I, August the 18th is our anniversary. It's a day where we said, I do. But guess what? We're in relationship right here and now. I don't go back. You know, like my papa used to say, you know, he didn't talk very much, and my nanny would always kind of get on to him about it, and he'd say, well, listen. He said, back in 19-odd, I told you that I loved you when I said I do. You know, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. You know? Can I tell you, it doesn't work real good in most relationships. It's an ongoing 
God, I love you. I am so grateful for you. I need you, Jesus, come through. I mean, if you say it's a present deal, but it's a continual thing. It's a relationship. It's all about a relationship. So it's lived out. Well, who knows? That's good enough. It's lived out in an ongoing way, right? It's a relationship. Can I tell you, you might not have gotten the point here. God's after a relationship. God's after oneness. He's after, he's in search of a bridegroom. Oh my, I have a lot to say today, but I don't think I'm going to say much more. Um, (laughs) I'm not even halfway through my notes here, but uh, is this good though? Let me, let me tell you, here, here, no, I'm not, I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for kudos here. I just want to say this, this, this one over here, it's, it's, it's a Western lens that we see life through. And so when we're over here, it's, it's all about legal rights. Over here, it really is all about right relationship. It's a commitment to a relationship. Over here, it's about, let's just be honest, it's about self-centered. What do I get out of this deal? I get to go to heaven one day, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I got saved, but I'm not sure. Can I tell you what? Jesus, you can't divide Jesus' lordship from his saviorship. Jesus is savior and lord. He's king of kings, lord of lords. Either you've come into relationship with him, it's an ongoing relationship, or I would really be careful about saying, get, putting too much stock into a little prayer you paid back in 19-aught, okay? Because, because here's the deal. Probably most of us, many of us in here came to Jesus right through here. I did. You know, you know what, is my, what the journey has led me to? Right over here. Because I want to know the heart of the Father. I want to know what He looks like. And He looks like Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, you've got to find Jesus. You've got to know what he looks like. All right, a lot of stuff. I'm going, I'm going to skip. Oh, I, I want to talk about covenant, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to go somewhere else. Have you noticed how many times in the Scripture weddings are talked about? About Yahweh in search of a bride. Jesus comes to planet Earth. He's in search of a bride. A bunch of Scripture on that. The church is referred to the bride of Christ. I think, I think we might be going somewhere here. God is looking for a beautiful, spotless, pure bride. You know how you get there? It's not, it's not by gritting and, and trying harder. Really not. Not learning more scripture. That's a good thing. You know what it is? It's by hanging on to the neck of Jesus, loving him more and more and more, falling more in love with him every day of your life, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All the other things begin to shift and change in your life. book of Revelation depicts the church as a bride of Christ at a wedding feast. Do you, do you, think, do you think of God in those kind of terms? What was the first miracle Jesus did? Turned water into wine. Some of y'all like that one. That's a good one, isn't it? Is at a wedding. It was at a wedding. Jesus is the reason why I gave the laughing Jesus to Cason uh, last week. I think, I'm going to give you a word, okay? So I think this is from the Lord. It's a word for a lot of you. Lighten up. Okay? 
I think we need to understand the glad heart of God. We need to understand just how good Jesus is and how much he loves us. He's a bridegroom in search of a bride. I mean, that's the heart of God. That's the, that's the point of salvation. It's about a marriage. Is that, different? Is that a little different than, than what does it mean to be saved? How many of you would have gotten there if it, with the answer of that? If I said, what does it mean to be saved? You say, it's about a marriage. Pretty quiet. But I'm telling you, it's about a marriage. It's about intimacy with God that will change you. And here's the good news is that God, the good news about salvation is not that we purchase some kind of acquittal. The good news is that God wants a marriage covenant relationship with us. One that he can pour his entire life into and us reciprocate back to him. The good news is not that we get off the hook in the afterlife. If, if that's the best news you got, then you need better news. It's not that we get off the hook. It's not because Jesus appeased the wrath of the Father that we get a contract by praying a sinner's prayer. Can I tell you what? God loved us, loves us so much that He chose to come into our darkness, our pain, our hurt, and He says, you are worth it. That's the why. It's not because he's so angry that he has to beat his son up. He goes, I will go anywhere to reach you. I'll traverse every mountain. I'll ford every stream. I'm going to go where you are, and you can't mess it up so bad that if you'll humble yourself and step in to that commitment of who God created you to be, that you can't be salvaged. See, it's a done deal. I don't think we have the verse up there, but I'm going to say it one more time. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. I've said this before, but I want you to get this. That is not a judicial legal contract. If you say this and you do this, then this happens. How many of you have read it that way? I've read it that way all my life. Can I tell you what it is? That, use a little language this morning. I'm going to use language now, okay? That is covenant language. Confession is vow giving, okay? If you confess, you believe, you trust, it's ultimate trust. You know the difference between a covenant and a contract? This is based on mistrust and liability. This is based on trust and unlimited responsibility. And so when we say, oh, Lord, I believe you, I confess this, Jesus is Lord, you know what it's saying? Here's the, here's the order. Because of what Jesus did, we're saved. And one day, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. We repent. We change our way of thinking. We align with God's. We believe it in our hearts. And guess what? It just flows out. Jesus is my Lord. You know what that is? That's your wedding day I do. That is what salvation looks like. And that's what it looks like lived out. Now, here's what I want to do. Uh, I've used up my time and yours. <laughs> But I want, I want to just ask you, are you relating to God on the basis of a contract or a covenant? 
I, I, think that's, I think that's the question, isn't it? Can I tell you what? It's not going to change God's love for you. But all of us have been handed a lens. All I'm trying to do is show you the scratches on yours and mine and say there's a better lens, that Jesus really came into our worlds for the purpose of oneness and for ongoing relationship a growing, maturing relationship with us. And so I'm going to ask you if, our, if, our, if the prayer teams and worship guys, if you guys would come forward this time. Are you around somewhere? Hallelujah. Are you already back there? All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this down then. And what I'd like us to do, I'd like to end with a renewal of vows. We're going we're gonna to have a wedding renewal of vows okay and for some of you this might be the first uh, your first words of commitment to Jesus okay but for some of you you might not be ready to surrender to Jesus you might not be ready to say these words and can I just take you off the hook right now if you're not ready don't don't speak these words you know it's kind of like uh uh, a fellow human being asks you to marry them and you're not ready, you don't want to, you don't have to, okay? But I'm going to pray that you get ready. I'm going to pray that the seeds are planted today. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit blows on them. I'm going to pray that you go home and all you can think about is, oh man, I need to have a wedding. I need to get married. I need to receive the covenant relationship that Jesus invaded my world and my darkness and my pain and all the stuff that I'm going through to set me free to be the person he created me to be, to be part of the bride of Christ. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I, we're going to make a confession here together. If you're ready, you don't have to stand unless you're ready. Okay? And we're just going to make this confession together. One, two, three, together. We confess that in Christ, you made the greatest possible sacrifice to rescue us from our sin and from Satan's oppression, to bring us into a saving covenantal relationship with you. We confess that on the cross we have extended your hand in marriage to us and by your empowering grace and indwelling spirit we respond by declaring we do, I do. By your empowering grace and indwelling spirit we commit to turn from our self-centered covenant-breaking ways to cultivate the life of a beautiful bride. By your empowering grace and indwelling spirit, we commit to the pouring out self to you, to you, just as you poured your whole self out for us. When we fall short, we ask you to pick us up and protect us from discouragement, reminding us of who we are now are in Christ. We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for being a faithful groom even when we have been an unfaithful bride. We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for giving us confidence that our process of salvation and transformation in Christ someday be complete.
hope and joy. We look forward to the time when we shall perfectly dwell in your unending love as you perfectly dwell in ours in the consummation of our beautiful marriage forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, let me just ask you, did anybody pray that prayer for the very first time? Say, Jesus, I want to be committed totally to you. If you prayed that prayer, I want to, I want to encourage you to share that with somebody, somebody who can walk with you, maybe a prayer partner up here. But we certainly don't want to leave today without giving you an opportunity to receive prayer for whatever needs you have this morning. So let's respond to whatever the Lord has put on your heart.